welcome to I'll Marry You, a podcast with me, Olivia Coleman, full of tips and tricks from the UK wedding scene, interviews with industry experts, and a whole lot of oversharing. <laughs> Josh was just in the middle of talking to me and then noticed the countdown. It's stressful, isn't it? It's really stressful. I didn't realise that was going to happen. It just started, like, I can't. And also, it's stressful. I thought that it was 10 seconds, but it was actually five. So we're in it a lot sooner than planned. That was very quick. Apologies. Um, Josh Tully of Josh Tully Management. Welcome to the Hi. podcast. Thank you for being here and chatting with me. Thanks for having um, me, Olivia Coleman, not the... The oh, other one. The other one. I was at a wedding this weekend with a guest called Christopher Eccleston. Not the Christopher Eccleston. Do you know who he is, the actor? Yeah. No, so not the real one. No, 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 not the real one. But it just, you know, it was a funny little anecdote that at one wedding you had Christopher Eccleston and Olivia Coleman. I once had neither a guest of us called, famous. I once had a guest called surname Bond, initial J. wasn't James though. If my surname was Bond, I would call my son James. Wouldn't you? Hundred yeah, percent. I would change my first name. Um, what, what is it? Like, if my surname was Head, I'd call my son Richard. I mean, <laughs> let's blame that on the time delay. For a fail, you are setting your child up for a fail. I know. Well, it's character building, isn't it? Yeah. My darling, I want to talk everything with you because you've been here, there, and everywhere, and I haven't seen you in so long and caught up with you in so long. But just for those people who don't know how fabulous and wonderful and hardworking you are, um, you are Josh Tully of Josh Tully Management. What is what is Josh Tully Management? What do you manage? What do we manage? So Josh Tully, we're, we're in our 10th year, actually, this year, which is crazy. This is That's been amazing. 10 years. I know. It's, it's really quite, I keep forgetting it. But basically, we, we manage international weddings. And what comes with that is basically bridging the gap between guests or clients who are maybe in Australia, America, the UK, and they want to get married in really fabulous places in Italy, France, or wherever. Um, and there really isn't any kind of restriction as to where we work. And we, yeah, it's a, it's a complete, I mean, listen, it's, it's been 10 years. So obviously I really love it. And I'm very lucky that we still get to do what we do. But it's really changed yeah. this year. I think after COVID, it's really kind of turned a corner into, you know, really kind of creative international weddings, which is definitely the, the path that I want to start going down now. But yeah, so we plan everything from start to finish. So we source the venue sometimes. We, um, you know, source the suppliers, go through the styling, everything you can possibly think of. And then we're actually there on site, which is obviously when you're in the season that we've just come to the end of is the hardest part because that's where, you know, you're traveling, you know, basically you're on site Thursday to Monday and then you're traveling Tuesday to Wednesday and then you're on site at another venue Thursday to Monday yeah. and, you, and you just keep going. Um, you're always, I, I, I actually thought about that today. You, you kind of live out of suitcase, don't you? Mm. I do. Ironically, my whole life is currently packed in suitcases because it's the end of the season. So it's also the end of, I, I don't need to be in France for this seven months now. So packing everything up. But yeah, I mean, it's, I guess, you know, it comes in waves of like loving it and then also hating it when you like realize yeah. that you didn't pack enough clothes and, you, you know, um, <laughs> But, you know, it, I, we moved in, I moved into a new place at the beginning of the summer and I, I was in it for, I spent four nights out of nearly three months in the apartment. No. 
That's mental. Yeah. I hope you didn't like it that much. Otherwise, what a waste. I actually really liked it. It was really nice. Oh, no. But yeah, so that has been incredibly intense. But yeah, it's been incredible. Are you, when you, are you Josh Tully management, Josh Tully, only Josh Tully? Or does Josh Tully, man, I'm going to keep, that's how I'm going to refer to you from now on. Josh Tully management, Josh Tully. Do you have a team? Yeah. Is there a, is there a team of Tullys? What would you call yourself? There is. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, no, there is a team. So we, there's been three of us this summer. So um, the amazing Steph and Dave have been working with me all season. And, you know, I, I guess my, my role has always been to kind of be the one flitting around everywhere because I can. So yeah. I'm the one kind of darting off and doing the, the weddings in various locations. They're kind of yeah. the ones kind of holding it all together, really, the foundations. Um, and we also have partner venues. So we have venues that we have, you know, we have a few venues in Cognac in France, for example, that we that we just do all their weddings. So, you know, those are kind of most weekends. And then I'm the one that kind of goes off and then I can, we come back and we, we regroup. So, yeah, we we are, we is a team. It used to always be the royal we. Well, of course. Tully management, I used, to say, I used to say we all the time. Like, oh yeah, we can do that. And it always used to just be me. You were referring yeah, to yourself and your third person. <laughs> I think people don't do yeah, that enough. I, Olivia Colman thinks that people should talk about themselves more in the third person. Olivia likes that idea. I is Josh on board? <laughs> I love that idea. Josh is on board. I think also sometimes I catch myself doing it because my company is my name. So like I'll yeah. be writing something. So I'm just redoing the, um, I'm just redoing our brochures. And I'm constantly, like obviously I'm writing it, drafting it up. Yeah. So I'm writing it like about myself, about my brand. So it's like, Josh has done this for Josh. Yeah. You know, it's, it's quite... <laughs> like a Christmas newsletter to your family. Yeah, literally. Yeah, exactly. This that. year, Josh has. So ha so that's been going 10 years. That is incredible, actually, because you're very young and handsome. Mm. And how... So how did you get into it? Where where did you start? Take us back. Walk us down so memory always, lane. So, yeah. Yeah, I will. Um, so it all really started Babington House, which I know that you were just there, actually, not that long ago. Yeah, last week. Incredible. Love it. Obsessed with it. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, it's beautiful. So basically, um, I'll kind of summarise. So I applied for a job. I always knew I didn't want to go to university. I always knew that wasn't on the cards. I actually studied and wanted to be an actor back in the day. And really? thought that I'd be on stage. So I kind of did it. Yeah, I did a lot of theatre and a lot of acting, and a lot of bits and bobs. And then I was like, okay, I was like, I'm going to do what every other kid is doing at my age. And I'm going to go travelling and I'm going to go backpacking. So I decided yeah. I needed to get a like full-time summer job to just save a load of money. And basically mm -hmm. I got, I went for a job, um, a trial at Babington house in Somerset, obviously part of Soho house. And they, it was really funny because basically they offered me the job and then I said no. Oh, so why did you say no? It was, it oh, was the, well, like it was as a waiter thing. and actually looking back, Exactly, as a waiter. So basically, it was like a summer waiter's, you know, job in the restaurant. And I yeah. was going to do it for six months, save a load of money and, and disappear and go traveling. And I really had no idea what I wanted to do or be, right? I mm. kind of had this idea of acting. I kind of had this idea of being, you know, in theater. But that wasn't really like that set. And I was, I, no. you know, I never had a very, very clear vision. Okay, this is what I want to do with my life. And because of that is the reason I decided I didn't want to go to university. Because yeah. I believe, you know, in my opinion, if you want to be a doctor, then you must go to university. But if you don't know what you want to do, it's a lot of money and a lot of effort. 
Yeah, um, it is. It's a. It's just for the experience. Yeah. You can get drunk and go to Weatherspoons without having to go to university. No one should do that. P.S. But well, exactly. if that's the way you live, no one should do that. No, exactly. <laughs> the end. Um, <laughs> Weatherspoons. My God, I haven't heard that word. That name. I haven't heard that word. What before. What would Weatherspoons be in France? Spin. Um, no, I think it's, a, it's. I think it's called like a buffalo grill. We have like this restaurant chain oh, yeah. restaurant. It's like a buffalo grill. Um, so anyway, so basically, I got offered this. So Louis Duarte, who was the restaurant manager at the time, he offered me the job as working in the restaurant. And I just remember feeling completely overwhelmed. And I just was like, "Thank you very much, but I'm I'm good. I I, I don't want the job." And oh my god! I, it was the funniest thing. And I drove home, and I and I just felt like that. You know, I was like, "Oh, that was that was interesting." I got home and I told my mum, and my mum absolutely lost her mind. I bet she did. I bet you thought you were ungrateful swine. <laughs> yeah. So she was like, you call him back and you tell him you're going to take that job. And I remember being like, oh, God, you know, this is so embarrassing. But actually, I did. And, and he said, OK, cool. You can start in a few days. And so how, how old were you? 18? So that was when uh, 18, 19. Yeah. And that was really it. I then say that that was my university. I then kind of yeah. got thrown into this world of, you know, rich and famous and, and private members, you know, that's Babington House is it's like a second like institution, you know. Mm. And so I was in the restaurant, waiter, very I remember feeling at the beginning very overwhelmed by the fact that there's like, you know, celebrities, you know, hanging out. Cameron, Cameron Diaz sat in the corner. It was all just a lot for like a little country kid. But then I kind of just started to think, actually, I quite like this. And then <laughs> it's a lot and it's overwhelming, but I feel comfortable and at home. <laughs> yeah. Surrounded like, by celebrity. But I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm here for this journey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I remember then basically, and so I then went from being in the restaurant, I then went and worked on the reception. The, I basically got in trouble because I was talking too much to the guests and food wasn't getting to the tables because I was just like loving life, chatting to everyone. Yeah. And I basically then got put onto reception and then ended up basically kind of just going up through the ranks really, really quickly and taking on the weddings, membership events and weddings. Um, and that was really when I was like, oh, okay, wedding. Like I did an event. I organized mm. an event and I found it easy. I organized a mm. wedding and I found it easy. Like I, it didn't stress me out. It was really odd. Yeah. It was like, okay. And I remember the first ever wedding I did was covered by, um, it was an okay wedding. <gasps> can you tell, you, I, I bet you can't tell us who it was, can you? No, no, I, I can't. Well, I, I, I can, because it was years ago. Um, it was Amanda Who was it? The, the actress? Presenter. Yes. Oh, you fancy girl. <laughs> And I will never forget, I basically had to cover the wedding planner because she was sick. I think she was pregnant. Anyway, she was sick and everyone was in a bit of a, everyone was quite stressed and we had this wedding and okay, we're covering it. And when a magazine is covering, obviously a wedding, it kind of requires a little bit more work and it's all, there's mm. quite a lot to it. So anyway, I remember just kind of, and that was like my baptism of fire. And then I, and, it and how old me. were you then? How old when that, when that happened? Because that's, that's a lot, that's intense. Yeah, like 20. So you were, I mean, okay, so I don't take this personally, but I, I sometimes think that people, not anymore because I'm in my 30s, but when you're that young, people do look at you, especially perhaps people of wealth or fame and think, mm. well, what do you know? 
you're like a kid. 100%. So that was, yeah. So you must have had to overcome that and, and then be like, not only am I worthy of your respect, but actually I can do this. And I, you know, I can offer you something and provide you something despite my age. Yeah. And I think that I, I think I kind of did it with confidence. I think that I was, yeah. I was quite, you know, I, I was quite, I think that comes down to like studying to be, you know, acting and, and drama. Yeah. It, it was like a character, right? So it's like, I, I've got this, I've got this, I can do it. Even if sometimes I didn't know if I could. And I think that management believed in that. And I think that it kind of, that kind of surrounded me in a bit of a bubble of kind of like, even if I don't False know confidence. what I'm doing. Right. Mm. You know, and even mm. to this day, there's still things I do. And I'm like, I really don't know what I'm doing. But if you do it with confidence, you. Oh, my God. One hundred percent. You know, you can you say can anything. If you it. say anything with conviction, if people come up to me, like, oh, do you do so? And say, yeah, 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 of course I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never done yeah. it in my life. Yeah. But you exactly. do it and you and you somehow pull it out the bag, don't you? And that's. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's amazing. So, so how long were you at Babington for? So four years, and then I had a bit of a year. So four years, did amazing weddings. I mean, we did some amazing weddings, like some really crazy situations. And it what was, was the most elaborate? What was the most crazy, the most elaborate Babington um, wedding? Well, I mean... But this is inside scoop now. Yeah, I mean, Elton John flew in and gave a bride. <gasps> no! Um, oh, yeah. my God! Green, was it just a, was it a, a friend? Performed. Yeah, he, uh, the the bride was um, a very good friend of Elton John, and then I nearly called him Elton. Then, as if like we're bezies. Yeah, well, you are. You probably are. You just don't want to yeah, say. Yeah. You're so modest. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell <laughs> you. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a funny story actually about that situation. So, oh my god, yeah. You know, um, flowers by passion. Yeah, that's a local Joe florist, was... and they do a lot of flowers with Babington. Still to this day, they were there last weekend. They're an amazing florist. Exactly. They're amazing. And when I'm in the UK, they're my go-to. I mean, if I could travel with them, with Joe, and just have her with me all the time, I would, because I just love her. But she will. She also remembers this story, and it always, we always laugh about it when we're together. But basically, this, we had this huge wedding. It was a four-day kind of lockdown, shutdown of, the, of Babington, which is it's actually really rare. And we, I, there was security all over the venue, and I had an earpiece in my ear. Oh. And, love an earpiece oh god and i was connected to all of the security guys who were all over the property and basically what was happening was i was when i got told a certain person was arriving i had to then go and greet them so i was talking to joe from flowers by passion and basically in my ear the security was like elton is landing so i <gasps> elton is landing i then said to joe i was like well, i've got to go elton elton's landing and apparently, Joe says it, you know, better. Apparently, I kind of, I kind of run away. But then, what happened after that was we were in, we were stood. It was, I think, it, oh yeah, it was raining, and we were sat in the car. The security had a car, and it was on the cricket pitch, and it was the Howard's helicopter, and it was coming down. And we, I was sat there, and just before we got out of the car, I thought, God, how do I even like? Sir Elton, Mr. John Elton. How, yeah, how do you greet? And see, I would have been sat there with like a million different song lyrics. Like obviously if it was Lionel Richie, you would just say hello. But with Elton, <laughs> where do you begin? Where do you, I just, a, that is, oh right. my God. So it was like this momentary panic, right? So I kind of got out of the car and the security was like, he was preoccupied. So I couldn't really ask him. 
and all of a sudden like Elton John's in front of me David Furnish is there um there you know there I think his his assistant or his his hairdresser I can't quite remember they had the baby so his first baby at the time Zachary the the boy and basically I it was then this like really awkward moment of kind of like me saying hello and then them getting into the car and what I didn't realize was the plan wasn't for me to get in the car obviously because <gasps> from the cricket pitch to the house it's like a, a no! one minute walk whereas they were going off to another room so I ended up in the car but in the <laughs> middle in the car in the middle of Elton John and David Furnish oh my god stop it will you please tell me you were holding the baby please tell me you were, you were nursing I it I was not I don't think I was but for the for the context of this story maybe I was also holding the little baby oh Zachary, I, think. My. I think his name's Zachary it's weird how much I remember that story oh my god and then you just oh my god I die and yeah. then, I mean they probably thought their Christmases had come at once this lovely little, well it was all very entertaining <laughs> this lovely handsome and... young man had got in the car with them Oh, have I lost you? Oh my God, that's amazing. Are you there? Basically, it, yeah, 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 I'm here. Yeah, carry on. So, <laughs> that's so basically, it was, it, was, it was actually quite hilarious. And whole, you know, there's moments like that where, you know, you just kind of, I look back on and I just go, how, what, how? And that was, yeah. you know, that's tw- that was at 20. That was at 20. I mean, it really did set me up for life. I mean, that is, yeah, I feel like if you can sit in a car next to Elton John, let's go with breastfeeding his child. No, it's too much. But you were sat in, in the car with it's Elton John. Much, too far. It's too far. I went too far. You know I always go too far. That is unbelievable. <laughs> and yeah, I'm enjoying that a lot. I really am. That's top yeah, five so anecdotes, that, I'd say. That was, yeah, that's a good one. Um, so anyway, but going back to the, so after Babington House, I then did a weird, a year where I was working as a personal assistant because I kind of wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I, you know, I, I remember saying to Babington House, I'd reached the top of Babington, like I'd done every, all of the jobs. And I remember yeah. saying to, to Soho House, to Nick Jones, look, you know, I would stay, but I would love to go to like West Hollywood or something to another club. I'm, I'm kind of done here. Yes. But there was visas. There was a. It was a whole. It was a whole situation. So it never really worked out. So I was like, okay. So I kind of saw it as like type of person that once I get comfortable, I move on. And yeah. you know, once things feel too easy, it's time to move. So yeah. um, I ended up working as a personal assistant, and then I ended up setting up my company. And it's taken many, it has, it's had many, many versions. Really? But you knew then that you, but you knew then that the company would be weddings. You'd already got the bug. Um, I had the bug. I was all, I was a bit worried because the wedding industry seemed so big and scary when you weren't in a venue Mm. at the time, you know, everyone I was looking at on Instagram was doing it and, and, and they were doing it on a really big scale and, I was thinking, God, you know, this is actually really, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I went down the route. Originally, the company was, um, names we had was just so funny. But like, the, I think the first name was Josh and John Lifestylists. <laughs> Who's John? <laughs> there was another, there was a business partner at the beginning. Um, oh, okay. Who happened to be called John. And then, and then I think it was Josh was after that and anyway we did corporate events so basically the concierge we were doing concierge because a lot of the clients carried over from babington house um people moving from london that didn't really know what they wanted to you know how to kind of 
integrate themselves into living in Bath because I was living in Bath then. So it kind of evolved from concierge, PA work, concierge, corporate events. And then someone asked me to do a wedding and then someone else asked me to do a wedding. And then it kind of kept evolving into weddings. And then I would say I really went for it for the weddings probably about four or five years ago. Um, but we were always doing weddings, but that's when I really just, I said no to, you know, doing anything else, no, no corporate gigs, just always just all about the wedding, the wedding industry. And is that when, so the four or five years ago, when you went solely on weddings, is that when you moved to France? I can't, I can't get my times right now. I remember the PA era and I remember the concierge, the concierge era. That was yes. quite good, actually. But and so it, that's when you moved to France. So tell me about that because I remember briefly that happening and being like, "Oh my god, that's in, that's like the dream." I was so envious. What? Do you, how did that even all come about? It was a really crazy time. Um, I I was doing wed- we'd been planning weddings, um, and it was lovely. You know, I was doing you know I don't I think probably eight or ten a summer, which at the time mm. I was like, "Oh, this is lovely." You know, it it was fine for it's a me. A lot and though. It, it, in one season, it's that's a lot. quite a lot I mean, to plan as well. Yeah, I mean, we've just done 25 and next year we're on track to do 42, but yeah. Oh my God, Josh, <laughs> we'll get to that. that's mental. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, but basically, I he, I he basically said that his father had this property in France that he didn't really know what to do. He'd only just bought it, didn't really know what to do with it because it was like... It was kind of a, it was run as a wedding venue, but really badly um, and had lots of accommodation, but it needed loads of work and, and all of this. And I kind of just remember hearing that and, and thinking, could be quite fun. So I basically asked to have a meeting with my friend's father and said, look, you know, can we, can we chat? And he, we talked about it and he said, look, I'd be open to doing anything with it. I'd be open to, you know, it's already been run as a wedding venue, albeit what I call a wedding factory. So very kind of like yeah, just churning churning them out. Yeah. And where I basically, so he said, well, why don't you fly out there, take a look at the venue and let me know. And I said, okay. So anyway, it was very much like being from um, A Good Year, you know, the film with us. Oh Ford. my God, yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he goes to the pool so had, and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when he's driving and he's just like, I don't really have time for this. But anyway, you know, and he gets off the flight and I had a Fiat 500 and we're driving through the countryside and it's getting more and more and more remote. And this venue was in, I mean, it couldn't be much more remote, I don't think. It's basically near a tiny town called Cognac and it's surrounded by vineyards and it's an old farmhouse. And so basically I got there, had a meeting and it was in a really bad way like a really, really bad way. It just needed, it basically just needed like a whole... Were people living in there? Yeah, so, well, no, at that point, the previous owners had sold it. Had they moved, met with yeah. me. Because I think, I think they were moving out the day after or something. Yeah. So I basically kind of looked around and, and then I remember, I remember going, weirdly, driving along the road and there was this really beautiful little like viewpoint on a bench. And I just remember sitting there thinking, this could be quite project but quite fun and I went to the airport I flew straight out that night and I went to the airport and I basically sent I just said look I think we could do this I think we could turn it into a wedding venue I'd love to manage the whole thing and I had this image in my head of it being kind of like a Soho farmhouse a Soho house yeah French farmhouse type place and he basically was like okay and obviously there's many conversations I'm I'm yeah of course cutting out quite a lot but um 
top lining it for you. And effectively, it was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. What started off where I thought I would manage it from the UK actually ended up me fully moving to the middle of nowhere to a chateau in France. <laughs> Mental. Um, I remember. Did you even speak yeah. French? No, not a word. So a uh, picture this, right? So October, it's raining. I drive. <laughs> I drove a um, long wheelbase transit van, white yeah, transit and- van. The listeners can't see you, but you're you're a tall, slender, attractive young man. You are not a white van man. You are not no, a transit van no, kind of man. No. No. So I drove this van from the UK with my whole life in the back. And I basically, and I arrived in the middle of nowhere. It was raining, these gates. I arrived at these gates of the chateau and I basically was like, this is it, I'm moving in. And it was the weirdest thing. And then obviously that was just like the craziest time because, you know, I'm did having you to go feel, to like a hardware store. Did you feel a little bit like Belle in the Beauty and the Beast when they when she gets to the gates? Uh, is I, that, oh yeah, my God, did things yeah. talk to you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, I was there on my own for a little bit and it's obviously, it was quite big and it really is remote and it was all a bit weird. Um, but then we brought in a team of builders and they lived on site and basically I project managed the whole thing. Um, and lived there through the winter. And it was really, really tough, but it was amazing. Um, and I mean, I was scrubbing floors and painting walls and I painted Were every single Were you not lonely? Um, no, because we had, there was people coming and going the whole time. It was like a big building site. I just happened to be the one that was living there to manage it. Yeah. But, you know, I remember in the first couple of weeks, I mean, I started to obviously dress dress slightly differently um after this yeah. but i remember going to um like a hardware store and the builder asked gave me a list of things that he needed like a very specific drill bit a very specific pack of nails and you know very specific pipe and so i go off i go into the local town with my white transit <laughs> band, with <laughs> a pair of skinny jeans chelsea boots yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a big and a big parker with like a raccoon fur hood um, oh, I, th- I, I remember the coat. Really... It's a beautiful, beautiful coat. Yeah. <laughs> I still have it. I love it. Um, and these, and a massive pair of reflective sunglasses. And my hair all quaffed to perfection. And I walk in to this hardware store, and I and I don't speak a word of English, a word of French. They don't speak a word of English. And it was just a scene. They have no idea what was going on. But oh then it God. became this quite is hilarious. a rom com. I hope there is some romance involved. This is like a serious. I would watch this movie. I would pay to watch this movie and I don't pay to watch anything. Hilarious. And and looking back on it, it's even funnier. In the moment at the time, you know, you just go through the process, don't you? Yeah. Um, it was full of challenges and it was amazing. And then we launched weddings and then the venue basically went on. We did 20 in the first season we launched. So we launched what's quite interesting is that the, the formula to what I did with that venue is now what I do with the company for our partnership venues. So it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, we created a package, created a, you know, something to sell. Um, and we sold, I mean, we sold something ridiculous. We sold like 20 weddings and there wasn't even an item of furniture in one room. It was still a complete building site. But So how did you do that? How well, did we created you, was that just on the internet? Yeah, we did a styled shoot. Um, and yeah. we did some CGIs. And one of the images from the styled shoot went across nearly every wedding blog and that was kind of it and i think also they were buying into having me there um coming off the back of soho house and 
and I think that they kind of just and luck. I mean, they tr- they trusted me that I was. Yeah. You know, thank. I mean, luckily we did deliver. But can you imagine all those weddings and? Well, that's a hell of a lot of pressure. And actually, I mean, yeah, you were used to it because you had worked at a private members club, but and, and sort of that that accolade, I suppose, and and credit on your CV would put you in good stead. But yeah, people are trusting you, and they're not just trusting you to like cut their hair and mm. they can get it redone the next day. Like this is their wedding day, and yeah. they're trusting that you are going to deliver and also because I imagine they would have perhaps booked their weddings when it was still very much a building site so they didn't even see the finished article until much nearer the time when it would have been too late to change yeah I mean I remember couples flying in and coming to visit and it was uh, and it was like a you know a building site and and I remember saying to them you know this will be where we do dinner and this will be where the pergola will be and we'll have lighting here and and I guess they just I mean it's like what we said going back to the days at Paddington right I believed it so they yeah. did. And, yeah. you know, they believed me and, and I believed that I, I was capable of doing it. So it was um, it was a really funny time. And then effectively, that little project kind of shaped the way the business went. Mm. Um, because off the back of that, I, you know, met a lot of venue owners and, and venues that really needed a little bit more help set up. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of, you know, all of a sudden weddings that I was planning were being put on you know were being featured on like international wedding you know blogs as opposed to before it was all just UK based so it kind of changed everything really and to be honest with you I don't think I'm still traveling around in a car with all my with all my shit packed up so it's almost like I never really thought of like this little it's it's a funny one actually. I've never really thought it. I just had a thought then, but like the day that I kind of packed everything up and put it in the van, like it still really is that. I'm just kind of I'm still packing it up and you know moving it around. It's just I get having yeah. a lot less stuff. I get rid of it every yeah, time. But in, and you're are you still wearing skinny jeans, Chelsea boots, and no. oversized reflective sunglasses? Actually, <laughs> no. The Parker is still alive to this day, but no. Now yeah. it's like you know baggy jeans. Do you still yeah, a little loose as we age? Yeah, do you loose. still um, do you still speak no French, or have you learnt French over time? Say that you know after five years of basically living in France on and off, I wouldn't say I can speak it that well, but I can understand a lot more, yeah. and I can get by. Um, and to be honest with you, everyone we deal with mostly is English, so or English speaking, yeah. so that hasn't really helped me learning French. I think if you decide to move to a foreign country and you immerse yourself in in a city where you you know you have to get a job in in a french coffee shop and you're all your friends are french yeah you know you learn it quicker but for me it's i'm speaking more english than i am french anyway every single day so it yeah really but it's okay i can get by um so do you now are you still you say you have partner venues do you are you still affiliated with that original venue and with your partner venues you sort of are you a bit sort of nomadic? You, you're sort of everywhere, homes everywhere, or is it all France? Is it one venue in particular and then you sort of freelance for other venues? How does it work like logistically with where you're based? So basically I base, so I spend the summer based in France. Well, I have done this year because it's kind of like the middle point of everything. It's really easy to yeah. get to and from everywhere. Whether I'll do that next year, I don't really know yet. It depends on, you know, what happens. But, um, is really remote working because you can just it's all mm. planning so I can be wherever um mm. but I learned that a lot during COVID um 
you know, the business continued and the planning continued, even though, you know, physically I wasn't able to meet clients and, and visit venues. Um, it all just went remote. And I think that that was quite an interesting time, really. Um, you know, mm. we were able to still do venue visits during FaceTime and things like this. And so that now is how we treat the winter. We kind of have the whole team goes remote during the winter and and then we kind of, you know, we regroup ready for the season. Um, but in, yeah, so basically, the so what we do now is that there's kind of two sides to it. So Josh Tully management is kind of split into two. One is the wedding planning, the international wedding planning. So that's the ones where, you know, clients will inquire direct to us and, and we create, you know, we find them a venue and, and we create their weddings and we, we design yeah. everything. And then the other part of it is the venue partnership. So that's where we basically look for, actively look for unique venues in unique locations. And ideally, oh, wow. these venues are venues that potentially couldn't be used or you couldn't have a wedding there without us involved because it's just a little bit complicated or it's, you know, it's not quite ready. So, for example, we've yeah. just been working for, for the last year. We worked with a venue in Provence and it's amazing. It's like an entire village, private village. It's been in the family for years, hundreds of years. And, you know, it requires a lot of work, but they had no brochure. They had no website. They had no packages. They didn't yeah. really know what they were doing. And unfortunately, yeah. this happens quite a lot where venues, you know, all over the world, owners decide, okay, we need to make some money. So let's now rent out our property. Yeah. And they don't deal with the foundations. So they don't have the paperwork. They don't have the contracts. They don't have the packages. And it all just ends up ascending into one big mess. There's no one mm. replying to emails, you know, inquiries are taking, you know, people are inquiring and getting, you know, a response weeks later. Um, yeah. And so we kind of try and work with the venues from the foundations. And then basically, effectively, that means that we then manage those weddings at that venue. That's brilliant. Yeah. Because that, see, that surprises me. But I find it interesting how when something comes naturally to you, it's, it's second nature. But to other yes. people... They're like, well, oh, I would never have even thought of that. And I was like, well, of course you'd think of that because, but it's hard to understand how what's come so naturally to you does not come so naturally to others. So, but that's interesting what you say about um, sort of people thinking, oh, I've got a space, I'll turn it into a wedding venue. The UK at the moment is totally saturated. Oh. Um, it's it's every Tom, Dick and Harriet with their barn but I I mean I get it because it's easily done right some friends of ours um bought a house that was had a wedding venue attached their daughter got married there and they thought oh that was fun so we'll carry on so mm. they just and now it's become a wedding venue and I understand it it could because it can be as simple as here's a key to my barn for 500 pounds or like you did with the chateau and completely renovate it to this amazing lavish high-end top of the market location um but it's it must be quite hard do you ever sort of go into places and think this could be amazing or there's a ceiling here or don't even bother francois walk away yeah i think sometimes you know one thing i've learned recently is to say no and i think yeah. that that comes from looking at the space and going god you know what it it needs too much I think that when looking at a venue, and I also, I say this to clients all the time when we're looking for venues for them, you should never mm -hmm. want to, you shouldn't have to change the venue. You know, no. like it, it's either got it or it doesn't. So two sides to that, you know, if we're looking at it as a potential wedding venue, it's either got it, it either works or it doesn't. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's either got the bare bones that you can make it work. It's either, you know, lots of land, a beautiful indoor space, you know, great backdrop, great views, great location. Great. Ticks yeah. all the boxes. But, you know, if it doesn't have all of those things, then, you know, we do just, it, it, I think sometimes people think that, I think sometimes if people are attached to their property, they see mm. it as being a little bit more special than someone else. But I think that there aren't, it's not about it just being a pretty building. There's mm. elements, you know, you can't have a pretty building four and a half hours away from an international airport and market yourself as an international wedding venue. Like no one's mm. driving four and a half hours from an international airport <laughs> to your venue. In their little no, do you in know their transit van. <laughs> yeah, no matter how beautiful the buildings are. So I think yeah. sometimes that element of having to be quite real with people and saying, you know, yeah, it's a beautiful venue, but the location's awful. Yes, it's an amazing yeah. location, but there's no outdoor space that would work or... You know, so it's it's a combination, and and finding the the, the magic kind of recipe is, yeah. is the tricky part. There's quite a balance, though, isn't there? Because you say about location, and I I think you're absolutely right. And it's little things like, you know, when people have said to me, "Oh, do you think this could be a wedding venue?" I'd be like, "Yeah, no," because it's a. a, a one road to the venue and there's no turning circles and it goes on for two miles and that'll freak people out. Yeah. Like when I used to work at the venue before, which was in the countryside, people would ask the most absurd questions, but they would be like, well, what, what about when it rains or it gets icy? Like the roads, people, mm. mostly people from London and not local farmers like us, but people would be like, well, what about the roads? What about the country roads? And it sounds silly, but people have to think about that but the it's interesting to me because the, i would have said with your experience babington and places like that um sort of country almost hideaway vibe mm. um that requires a bit of countryside and anonymity and um distance from other places but then at the same time it, it does have to be a certain distance do you think exactly i mean even babington house is perfectly located you know, it's 30 minutes mm. from a train station. It's 45 minutes from a major city. It's, you know, an hour from a major international airport. So even though it's in the middle of nowhere, you can get in the middle of nowhere and still be really well located. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, so I think that, you know, venues, we always are trying to find venues that are different in a way. You know, like the one in Provence, it's a, it's a village. It's full of crazy art. I mean, there's, you know, real Andy Warhol paintings hanging in the breakfast room. It's really, <gasps> it's really incredible. We were just there. That we is did our so last cool. Wedding. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but then it's also about having, you know, a chateau in, in and a villa. And, you know, we're looking at... Um, loads of ex loads of exciting venues but you know ultimately very niche and they're still they will they mm. will only still suit certain clients you know and and i think that coming in at it from an art from the background of you know wedding planning and venue management which we you know i've done both sides i think that that kind of gives i have a very different view on it yeah than most yeah well you're looking at it from backstage as well aren't you yes um yeah, I forgot what I was going to say, which is annoying. So it was a really intelligent, uh, well thought out question. Even if you do say so yourself. <laughs> Even if I do say so myself. I've only had one coffee today and I'm, I'm literally saying, going like, why don't I have a, an assistant that I can click my fingers? And my husband's at work, my child's inept. She's only two. Um, so that's what I was going to say. An obvious question. 
if I was listening to this and I was, I mean, I, I've fallen in love with the idea of a French chateau slash village in Provence mm-hmm. with Josh Tully management. Do I need a fortune? Do you, uh, realistically, do you only handle very expensive weddings? No, listen, we actually deal with very mid-range, I would say. I never wanted to do planning. I never wanted to, my company to be so niche that, you know, the, the budgets required six figures and that it was yeah. all very lavish. And there are some amazing wedding planners that do that really, really well. But it's not yeah. my style anyway. I actually don't enjoy that look of, you know, excess mm. of flowers and things like that. I'm much more of a minimal type of person. So... From a styling point of view, the over, the huge budget weddings don't really work. I don't really love doing them anyway. So we're kind of mid-range. So listen, you know, we do do very, you know, we have done some budget weddings and it makes our life quite challenging in a way because mm. there's not the right people on site. So for example, you know, you'll have someone say, well, you know, my friend's going to be the florist and my friend's going to do the DJing and, you know, things like this. And it, yeah. it never really works out. And there's disappointment and we're trying to pick up the pieces. So we try and avoid that. We try and avoid mm. the DIY type weddings. So I would say yeah. that, you know, and where between around 30 to, you know, four, around 30 to 40 thousand euros mm. is going to get you, you know, a wedding in France in a cool, a cool venue you know, around 70 to 80 people. But, you know, people ask me all the time, how much is it going to cost? And, and you know, and mm. what budget should I have? Well, how much do you want to spend? Yeah. You know, it really is that. It's, it's a really difficult thing to say because, you know, you could have a budget of 20K and it still would be fine if that's what you want to do. If that, you know, and it, it just depends. It really just really, really depends on on so many factors. But also I find that it's not always a case of um, whether you have it or not, as opposed to whether you want to spend it or not. And like you exactly. say, with the really lavish um, clients, I'm, I'm kind of in the same mindset as you. I mean, that would be lovely. Would I like to be flown to the Maldives on a private jet next to Alton? Yes, I would. But it does negate a certain style and I prefer a, a more relaxed, low-key vibe. Um, sort of, I prefer my elegance and luxury to be hidden, you know, to be subtle. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then what I can't, I can't work it out because I think quite often, if you, let's say you've got a 30 grand budget, there'll be some people that have millions in the bank, but to Ooh. them, 30 grand is more than enough. I can have a lovely day. Thank you very much. It's just my wedding kind of thing. And then there are others that have saved for 10 years for that 30 grand. And it means the absolute world to them. And I'm sure you're of the same mindset as me, whereas irrelevant of what they've got in the bank or where they've come from or who they are, that's their wedding day. And that should be the most important day. Mm. So listen, the, I would say that the, the for me, the, the, clients I prefer are the ones that it means everything to them yeah but I always say to people don't start planning your wedding unless you can afford it whether that's whether that's you know you're young and and you've been saving and you've only got 10 grand and you know you have to be able to afford it like if you want a wedding in in on the Amalfi Coast in Italy and you want Mm. it for 90 people then sure, you know, but you have to go into it with the real expectation of like, you have Mm. to be able to afford that. You know, you can't have, yeah, I don't know. It's a funny one. I think that for me, personality is key and working with clients who, 
I, I sometimes feel like with the big lavish weddings, which we've done and I've been involved in, it's a little bit like you're throwing money at the wall and seeing where it sticks. And it's, yeah, 100%. You know, and Keeping it's up with the Joneses. Much, yeah, it's how much can we mm. spend on these flowers? You know, yeah. how how much more can we spend on the band? And how much more can we spend on this? And I think that... I- it doesn't and you it, know when it's a wedding like that because everyone knows how much yes, was spent on the flowers yes. and every because someone's told someone who's told someone yeah. people if if people don't know and it doesn't look ab- ab- absurd and completely over the top then perfect that's yeah. because that's what you wanted not about how much you could spend i would say or i would say now well we've just done a full season of weddings right and they've all they've probably all been around the same budget a ballpark or you know anywhere between probably the the lowest was about twenty up to about fifty um mm. which I would say is mid range now because anything nowadays between, yeah. yeah low low budget is you know ten to fifteen you know at home in your garden, and then anything I would say around seventy plus is is your higher end um mm. but there's that kind of middle point now, which actually that middle point is is um kind of wider it's it's uh, mm. you know a lot more people are fitting into that category but you know we've just done a whole season of weddings where they've just been you know go- they've been gorgeous some of them have been yeah. really extravagant in in the yeah. in the right way though i'm not talking about extravagant in the way of you know like we just said you know ten thousand pounds worth of flowers but i'm talking about extravagant in a way that it suited them still and it, it was real to them and i think that you know we we have we had a wedding of 150 people and wow. you know the feeling at a person at 150 person wedding was the same as the wedding we did the weekend after where there was only 40 there because mm. you know ultimately it's the same thing they're truly there to celebrate you know the wedding and and it's not about how much money is being spent it's not about the guest list it's not about you know mm. showing off to the next person it's truly about the two couple wanting to share their love with everyone else don't you think that that is the I mean the natural high that I get from being surrounded by people who are in love and are that happy and to be to have and I'm sure you feel the same way like it's an honor it is an honor to be a part of Mm. that for people and to watch it and you know whether it's two hours two minutes or two weeks two years to be a part of the family and to be like an integral a cog in the machine, you know, and they and you they'll always remember you. Of course, they're always going to remember you because you're a part of their wedding day. Mm. And whether they stay together or not, they'll, they'll always yeah. remember it. <laughs> well, it's funny because you know we we've we had weddings this summer where you know bride and groom from years ago were guests at the wedding because it's like friends oh. of people, and yeah. I love that. That I really love that. But yeah, I think you know our our role, and it's it's always a weird one because we are in constant communication with these couples for nine to 12 to 14 months. Sometimes, you know, we're talking to them every single day on email. You you really get to know them. And really, we really, really, really get to know them. And then it gets to their wedding day, wedding weekend for us. And, you know, you really feel like you're just, you really want to deliver and you want it to be perfect Mm. and, and you make sure it is. And then it's a weird one because then it's like everyone just goes their separate ways. And it's like we're mm. constantly having these connections and, and then it's like that's like the end almost. It's a very odd feeling. Most It's of very, I get sad. I yeah. get And I get sad before the wedding because I know it's coming to an end. But don't you think, and now I know, I didn't realise you had a background in theatre and you know I have, but it's similar to when you're in a play 
and you become so connected to your cast mates and the crew and then yeah you just go just okay bye have a nice yeah. life and it's it's really weird isn't it well i think also if you if you know if you think about it when we're doing a lot of our weddings for example i'm on site at a venue mm. in the middle of somewhere in let's say provence let's say this weekend for example right all of the guests arrived on friday i'm there with them friday saturday sunday you know, we're having deep and meaningful conversations on Sunday evening. Yeah. Monday morning comes and everyone's exchanging details and numbers and you really feel like you 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 really feel like you've kind of made connections. And and yeah. quite often I do stay in touch and I'm in touch with a lot of my clients from the past and and yeah. you know, certain ones will always stay. I think there's a few always from each season that just you know, you just know that that connection was was a little bit more special. Um but, you know, it is funny. You kind of become integral to their life for like nine to mm. 12 months and then the wedding's done and then they get in their car and you wave them off and you- Ah, Felicia! Yeah, and, and you're kind of, um, you know, you're on to the next one. I mean, and also in the, in the season, it is pretty brutal if you think about it from an emotional yeah. point of view. You know, it's like, okay, so my focus this Friday to Monday is Jane and Jane yes. is marrying Tom, right? So on yes. Monday morning- that's all I think about for four days. And then Tom and Jane have gone. I pack up. I go. The next one. It's like that song, Ariana Grande, thank you, next, you know. Next, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though, because do you know what's really funny? And I bet you people say this to you. Every wedding, people are like, I'm like, oh, my God, it was so lovely. I thank mm. you so much. And they're like, oh, we're your favourite. Are we your favourite? I'm like, yes, of course you are. And because at that moment, that weekend, that day, they are my favourite. Yeah. Because it, what happened yesterday, what the wedding next weekend, irrelevant. Yeah. Because today is your day and you are my favourite person today. Exactly. And I love, I love the um, relationship building part of yeah. what I do. I absolutely love getting to know people. And I think I would say that that's probably something that we pride ourselves on in terms of how we design our weddings. Mm -hmm. Because the process at the very beginning is very much about having conversations with them and diving into like, where do you go on holiday? What do you love? What do you hate? And, you know, I normally give them homework and it's all about just getting to know them, you know, and it's about yeah. building those relationships. And I think that's probably what has been kind of, what I guess has maybe set us apart from others, um, mm. you know, because listen, there's a lot of wedding planners out there, right? I mean, it's like everyone at the moment is getting into the wedding industry because it's booming. Mm. And one thing that, you know, does slightly infuriate me is that when people think, you know, they can just start being a wedding planner, you know, it's like, yeah. you. Put, I mean, it's hilarious because um, it's like when you, you like, if you make a cake and then you're going to be a baker, Mm. it just doesn't work you have your own wedding oh i might plan weddings yeah exactly oh, this was easy exactly okay all right carol you know okay good luck um so <laughs> you know i think to myself i think that for us for, for how we do it though it's not really about the fact that it was just like a light like oh i'm just going to start planning weddings you know this is you know, this is 10 years. You've in grafted. Yeah, yeah exactly. you have really grafted. You've yeah. learned your craft. You've yes. honed your craft. You've worked out who you want, what you want. And But also when you say well, what sets you apart, just from talking to you and from knowing you, I think, A, you, you care, you give mm. a shit. But B, the way you say you take time to get to know them as people, I would say you are creating weddings for that couple, for those two people, mm. you're not creating weddings for Instagram or for no. magazines or no. for blogs or for the money or for the accolades or for the awards. You're, you know, you're creating something for that couple mm. and 
that's what's I think that's incredible what you do it's amazing and I, and I think also it's one of the reasons at the very beginning I very rarely ask what their budget is because it oh, really can, yeah I think sometimes it can taint what we end up designing and what we end up putting forward to them I quite like not knowing and basing what we yeah but then are you like on what we know are you like a them? car salesman you like throw out <laughs> oh, I don't want to know your budget but here's here's a Bentley <laughs> no I think basically it, it it seems to work quite well in the sense that like I'd rather suggest something based on knowing them as people than knowing how much money they have to yeah. spend. Yeah, that's yeah, that's quite good. And you also know. I suppose with that in logistically you could almost be like, right, I think that you should have um charger plates and mm. here are three options and it's like mm. a magazine article it's like yeah. the most expensive the medium and yeah. then the cheapest <laughs> and then they, exactly they and also i think that sometimes with something like a photographer it can vary from you know 1500 euros to 10,000 euros but yeah. it might be that their dream photographer might end up being more than what they imagined if they would spend on it but it might mm. mean that we can save money somewhere else and so you know we we try and always give them a bit of a variety i think um, but also, um, I've spoken on the podcast before about sort of when once you're engaged, what do you do now? Mm. And I suggested that one of the very first things you should do is is just have a chat between the two of you as to where budget related, but as to where your priorities lie. You know, it, mm. because it's not going to work if all she cares about is flowers and all he cares about is the band, because you can't you can't mm. you know you have to work out where your priorities are going to go, and that must be very interesting to you um because especially if you're sourcing suppliers for people you know when my friend said to me the other day well what if you what if you have a couple that inquire that don't care about the ceremony i said then they wouldn't inquire mm. because they're not gonna they're not going to look for a celebrant if they don't care about mm. the ceremony if the ceremony to them is just a piece of paper then they will have a registrar yeah exactly so I it mean, must be quite interesting you know i so i basically it's quite funny actually i so when we do our first initial call, I can pretty much gauge fairly quickly whether they know what they want and also whether they've spoken about it together mm. and whether what they mm. want is aligned. So I'm kind of quite good at recognizing that. And if I oh, don't think that they know what they want or if they've even spoken about what they like yeah. and dislike, I basically tell them to go away open a bottle of wine. <laughs> just leave just go <laughs> get out of my sight <laughs> open a bottle of wine and basically i get them to write down a joint so they must write down a list of likes and dislikes right mm -hmm. individually so mm -hmm. you know one goes away and the other one and then they come together and then they basically have to look at which matches up and basically what they then need to do is shortlist them into some really key points that they then can look at that list and go, if our wedding looked like that, or if people described our wedding as that, or if people had that feeling when they left our wedding, love that we would yeah. be really happy. And another thing that I always say to people is, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. So I constantly... Oh, that should be on a bumper know, sticker, boy. Good one. <laughs> I didn't make it up. I think I stole it from somewhere years ago. Yeah, well, no but, such um, thing as a new idea. Yeah, <laughs> copyright Josh Tully Management. Um, <laughs> I and I say it all the time you know if I say if I say to a client you know what do you think of this and they hesitate well then it's 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 not you don't you don't love it you know but if, then don't you find that some people are just really indecisive which I think is why a lot of people want a wedding planner is because they don't it's not their you know you and I planning a wedding second nature to us we love it we live mm. it but some people they don't know whether they want silk or taffeta or linen or 
gotten or but you say that i think they do i think sometimes it comes down to the, i think people get really confused or lost in the fact that they all of a sudden think because they've not planned a wedding before that they can't make decisions you know yeah it's it's not a decision if you remove the pressure of the fact that it's a wedding and just yeah. simply decide on whether you want pink or purple you can make that yeah. decision and i think that's what we tend to do we try and take away all the crap around the edges and it's about mm. what do you like what do you hate you know when and i always i ask clients every single to every single client i ask them what feeling do you want people to have when they leave your wedding and how do you want people to describe your wedding and those mm. two responses normally give me a really good idea about where to go from there because if they turn around to me and say god we want people to leave as if they've left a festival as if you know we want people to leave exhausted by just how much fun they had and and then it's like, yeah. okay, cool. So it's about music. It's about, you, you know, entertainment. If they say to people, if they say they want their guests to leave, having had the best food they've ever experienced in their lives, then that yeah. dictates what type of wedding we do. So I think it's about understanding the emotional side of what the, the clients are trying to achieve before understanding the budget and getting into suggesting suppliers. And also, I think that if they, if you almost push them to liking to, to understanding what each of them likes or dislikes, then that does mm. help them with making the decisions further down the line. Mm. You know, I had a conversation with a client yesterday and we're looking for a venue for them. And, you know, the, the first thing they said was, we just don't know. We just don't know what we want. Yeah. I said, okay, but you, you will. Like if I asked, and I asked them a list of questions and they did know, you know? Oh yeah, you're right. They just need to be asked. They just need to be asked or they might not know because they don't know what it looks like. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'll, you know, let me show you on my screen. What about this? Oh no, 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 no. We don't like that. Okay. So that's that. You don't like it, you know? And I think that you just have to almost hold their hand and guide them through the process. But I think that, you know, for, for me planning and doing what we do is, it's incredibly rewarding. It's incredibly hard work. But I always say to people, it's it's too it's too hard of a job to not absolutely love it. Oh, a one hundred percent. You know. And when you said right at the beginning, and you were like, it is so intense, and then it's really mm. quiet, and then blah, blah, blah. and and you said when we were talking about Babington, and you said I whenever I've got complacent or bored or nah, you move on. You've not moved on. You have grown, and you mm. have built this incredible company and incredible ethos, I might say, because it's constant challenges and it's it's never boring because it's people and people yeah. at their core are not boring. Once no. you actually get to to know them and you and you invest your time and your energy and your heart they're they're fascinating and you're, exactly. it's the whole thing is incredible exactly and i think that that's why to me you know i don't i don't actually know what if if there's anything else i could do you know i i'm i'm definitely unemployable from this moment on like i could never <laughs> not do what i do but you know it's little things like we've just come to the end of a huge season and it's been tough you know, because yeah. com- companies have been struggling post-COVID and, you know, I'm slightly sick of the COVID being an excuse. For, yeah, I know I am for, too, um, especially for builders. For letting people down. It's like, no, yeah. that's just bad planning and bad time management. Yeah. That's not COVID. And now Other it's, people you know, can do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm I'm surviving. We're good. Um, yeah. But, you know, so we've just come to the end of an incredible, incredible summer. You know, incredible. It was it was amazing. And already, like within, you know, we did the last wedding and, and I celebrated it on my own in an Airbnb in Provence. I kind of like had a little glass of rose. I was like, we, we did Love well. It. 
And now it's like, yeah. oh, we're already on to like next year and 2024. And, you know, it's, it's a constant moving thing. Yeah. But also, you know, we've just had an amazing season. But now it's like, okay, I want to make sure that we're evolving constantly. So we're going to have a rebrand and we're going to redesign loads of things. We're going to do a new brochure and we're just going to elevate a little bit more because I think what I've realized this summer is more about that, you know, we, I guess a lot of people are coming up behind us trying to do what we do. Yeah. And yeah. that kind of, I'm grateful for that because it makes you, it gives you a bit Pushes of a kick. You. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I think that, you know, over the last kind of month or so, you know, a lot of, I've kind of, there's been a lot of people coming out of the woodworks to do the same type of thing. And it's, and it's competition in a way, you know, mm. but I'm really grateful for it because it's making me look at every part of the business and go, okay, you know, how mm. can we plan weddings better? How can we do more for our clients and, and how can we attract more of the clients that we really want to be working with? Um, I think that's really important, but also I think that you should give credit to yourself and your team because I think, I mean, me personally, I don't, um, employ someone or work with someone if I don't like them as a person mm. like like you say there are 10 million wedding planners out there and I'm sure they can all plan a wedding and mm. the same with venues they're all lovely they're different but they're all lovely but they're not for me no, exactly. I, and if if I'm trusting someone with that something so important with a lot of my energy and care and my money then I want to like them as a person so I think it's important that you credit yourself with that with your success as well oh thanks I know. That was sweet, wasn't That's it? Cute, yeah. <laughs> um, that was really cute. Also, just a complete side note, just because it's really been distracting me the whole conversation. Is it, is it the sequins behind me? Is it like Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the back of the door. Yeah. So that is, that is the most expensive thing I've ever bought. And it's the most wonderful thing I've ever bought. It's a Rosa Bloom floor length orange and blue sequin kimono with velvet trim. Niche. I bought, thank you. I bought it at Wilderness Festival and it's literally, it's the most magical piece. And I, I'm dying for someone to let me wear it at a wedding, but I just think it's a little bit too look at me, you know? So let's, let's try and find, we have some really, really, really creative clients coming through for the next couple of years. And I'm going to try, because I really want to get you at one of our weddings. I love what you I do. Would and love, I would love, I love my... the way you do your ceremonies, by the way, I'm obsessed. Thank you, sweetheart. And There's I not enough love... rosé in Provence for you and I to I do a wedding together. I need That's a real to, worry. I need, I need a deal, though. If you do, you're wearing the house. I had, I, 100%, I um, had a wedding recently and it was their colours and I was very tempted to take it, yeah. not for me to wear, but for her to wear for like some of the photos because it really shimmers. <laughs> I live for it. Um, I actually put a lot of thought. What do you, this sounds like a silly question, but what do you wear when you're running a wedding? All black. Yeah, gotta be. Gotta be. My whole team, we are all, a caterer is everything. We, I put everyone in all black. I don't like the white yeah. and black penguin look. So I basically, no. I had, um, because it's really, obviously, you know, it being in France during the summer or Italy, it's incredibly hot. You know, we did yeah. weddings. We had months of weddings this summer where it was like up to 40 degrees. You know, not there are no shoes in the world and no, no. sandals that are not going to rub. And, you know, like no matter what you're wearing, you are hot and bothered and yeah. your feet are cut up by the end of the weekend. I mean, it's a real, oh it's a real physical, you know, abuse. Oh, yeah. You are on your feet constantly. People think it's glamorous. It's, it's, it's so not glamorous. glamorous. <laughs> you know, people message me all the time. Oh, my God, you're on another flight going somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, but... You know, my feet's bandaged up. I've got no shoes that are comfortable, you know. 
Yeah. But, so we, it's 18 hours, you know, our wedding day. Mental. To give you, to give you a snippet into an international kind of wedding weekend, right? So we'll arrive yeah. on site on the Friday. We're there all day to set up, however many hours, eight, nine hours. We're then there on the Saturday morning at like 8 a.m. We're there through until 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. We, we don't stop. We're then back on site the Sunday ready to set up for the brunch. So that's normally an 8 or 9 a.m. start. We're then there until 4, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Then we're back on the Monday to then clear up the whole venue and hand it back to the owners. So, you know, it's not a one-day turn up, make it look pretty. No. It's a whole thing. And so, you know, we – so I basically – yeah, so it, it was very, very hot. So my, my, my outfit is the same every single week but i just have multiple versions of it i have like five shirts that it's the same like all like what is, is it or, or um one some rapper that like only wears a pair of socks once and then throws them out i feel like you i feel oh, like you could, could you could live that, that life i could live that life and then actually what was interesting this weekend i didn't i didn't wear all black it was the only wedding for the whole weekend for the whole season why oh i don't actually know why i didn't Oh, no. Why? Because, well, because it was a very, I just knew that if I, there was, I had an outfit that I've wanted to wear for ages. And I just yeah. knew that there was, this wedding was going to be that wedding where I could wear it. And the color scheme basically matched my shirt. I posted oh. it on Instagram. It was like the Dreaming. same design palette, basically, on my shirt as it was on the table. Yeah. Dreamy. I love it when things come together. I know, me too. <laughs> when it means that you can wear what you want and feel fabulous. Yeah, I know, me so too. So now we're coming into the winter. Do you have any weddings over over winter? No, I don't like it. I don't like to do winter weddings. It's no. cold. Right, it's very strong on that, on that note. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't listen, like it. No, I don't like it. Listen, we... We spend the winter working with new venues and, and working on the next year. And, and I think that, you know, the summer for us is so intense that if we carried on doing it through the winter, it would just yeah, be, yeah. I, you know, I never want to burn get, out. Yeah. And I never, ever want to get to the point where I start to not enjoy it. And I think mm. that comes from when you're pushing it too hard. And I think that that mm. also comes from, you know, doing it where it's, you know, planning weddings that aren't, I mean, uh, that you are not aligned with or, you know, doing it in air, in venues that you don't really like and, and doing mm. it 12 months of the year. Um, there is a conversation. This is a little bit of a, <gasps> a secret. But there What's is it called? A, spoiler. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> there, there might be a little bit of a conversation about weddings taking place in Bali, because as you know, that's like my little, <gasps> my little place. I yes. love it. But again, you know, it's not something that I'm that, I don't know. We'll see. I really enjoy the split of the year. I really enjoy the kind yeah. of the planning, the admin, the business side of it for half the year. And then it's full on for like, you know, because we start menu tastings and site visits again in April. Well, March. Yeah. You know, so yeah, really, yeah, yeah. once Christmas and New Year's gone, I mean, it, it's, we're back into it. Well, it's, that's it. And also January, I assume it's the same for you. January is the busiest time for bookings because that's everyone gets engaged over Christmas. So and then you've got Valentine's Day because every bugger loves the cliche. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you say, you've got like a few weeks off. So really, it's just there's only a couple of months where it's quiet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I don't I don't I'm not that interested in filling the 12 months with weddings just for the sake of it, you know. So will you be back in the UK for, for the winter months? Will you be Christmasing in Bath, I, summer, summering in France? I don't know. I think I'm going to, I am coming back. Um, I'm actually driving back to the UK tomorrow, but I'm, I've got holidays planned with family and friends over the next couple of months. And then I'm probably going to spend Christmas and New Year in Bali. Um, 
and just oh, kind of, sure. yeah, just reset and just ready to go again. And, you know, I think I give so much to my clients mm. and to my job during the summer. Like I literally mm. lay, I like, I am at the end of the season now and I'm slightly broken. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah, my body yeah, yeah. knows. My body's you like, feel... now you can have a breakdown. Yeah. Do you feel like I, I, this was my busiest year, my busiest season so far. I mean, I'm still in the thick of it um, as a celebrant and not just in the industry. And I, in June, I had nine weddings in June and it got to the point where uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that Josh has showed me a screen and said, I need a wig. Um, I need a coffee. <laughs> Darling, we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. But it got to the point now where in June, when I was so busy, I felt bad because mm. I, I didn't even have time to talk to my friends, like let alone see them. Do you, I mean, do listen, you feel like you kind of neglect? Listen, I neglect it. I, it's if you're not, a, if you're not a wedding, if you're not next weekend's client, I'm not interested. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Don't like, talk to me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Back off, Sophie. Back off. But it is, I no, I, I, yeah, it is really difficult to stay in touch. And I think also with the amount of traveling as well, you know, it's very difficult yeah. to kind of keep relationships. I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm, you know, I, I am, yeah, I think one of the hardest things is, is holding, you know, relationship as well, because, you know, yeah. my time is all about other people. You know, I'm, I'm, my whole life is to make, you know, everything come together for someone else's relationship and their what mm. you know their wedding so with the traveling and everything like that it is tricky but again it's like what i said it's like when you found something that you truly love it's mm. it, you well, it's know, what you choose it, to do what you choose to me it's not a job the, it's the i would choose to yeah, spend exactly. my weekends yeah yeah the, the rest oh, will, the rest will come in right as and when you know I, you know, on that note, on that note, I have yeah. had such a nice time talking to you. I know, me too. I kind of just don't want, I kind of, obviously I'm, I'm desperate to go to the toilet, but, mm. and I need water and you mm. need coffee, but I desperately mm. don't want, really want this to end. No, well, I think maybe if you are around this winter, then let's get together and have some wine and, and talk yeah, some let's. more. Um, because I think you're wonderful and you've worked so hard and what you've created is amazing. And also you really know stuff. Like you, mm. I feel like I should go and read things because you know things, you mm. know? You Listen, sound like you really know things. It's like I said to you, you know, it's, it, it's not like this. It's not like I've just started doing this. It's yeah. like, you know, it's 10 years of, of graft. And I think also, you know, I think that, yeah, I, I think that you just have to be, you just have to, for me, it's like the success of this business is the fact that I'm immersed into it, but then I also evolve with yeah. it and not, I don't let the business drag me along. Do you know what I mean? I'm kind of, I'm trying yeah. to stay ahead and, and making sure that our clients are always the, the focus and, and making sure that we're always coming up with designs that are different and moving forward. You know, I remember when we first, came, when I first came to France doing weddings, no one had crossback chairs, no one did family style. <gasps> you know, no, it was, it, you know, and that was four or five years ago. And now everyone's got How crossback funny. chairs and everyone's got family style. So we're looking, we always need to be looking at what the new trend is and, and what that looks yeah. like moving forward. And what it looks like next year is Olivia Coleman and Josh Tully management. <laughs> In Provence. Pissed in Provence. Yes. <laughs> you wearing a glittery... Not again. Me with my sequin coat. kimono. You in all black. You could be like my, my shadow, my I'm mime. All right, my darling. Listen, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to me. And let yeah, let's catch up soon. But I really, really have enjoyed talking to you and learning all about Josh Tully management from the Josh Tully. Thank <laughs> you. I've loved it. I really have. And I think also just to say... 
what you do is really, I love what you do and the way you do it with such kind of honesty and with such integrity. And I think that that really comes across um, and obviously it does with your clients, but I think that, you know, you are just yourself. And it's so interesting to me that this is now what you do after meeting you so many years ago. I know. Um, But it really does, it suits you. Do you know what I mean? That's the ironic thing, isn't it? It really does just fit. So yeah, I think you should be incredibly proud of what you've achieved. So thanks for having me. Thank you, darling. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, and we'll catch up soon. Take care, darling. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I'll Marry You is a podcast by Olivia Coleman. The music is Mr. Sunnyface by Wayne Jones and the show is produced and edited by Drew Toynbee.